You see, this encounter with Jesus changed her life forever. She had been saved from her affliction. She'd been restored to the community. She'd been made whole and healed, and she's been given hope for tomorrow. Welcome to the Bethany Lutheran Sermon Podcast for the week of June 27th, 2021. It's the fifth week after Pentecost, and today, Pastor Kyle Blake shares a message with us. The key verses for Pastor Kyle's message are in the show notes. This message was recorded live at Bethany. Good morning. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to begin this morning by asking you a question. Have you ever been in a situation or have you ever felt that you were an outsider? Our text this morning, it's a bit of a longer text. It's the gospel text. It's what we're going to be looking on. And there is a a ton of great stuff in this text. I would love to unpack everything in here. But that would take a little bit longer than you're probably willing to sit through, right? So for the purpose of this morning, I really want to kind of look at the, the, the story within the story, verses 24 through 34. And, and of course, though, to get the story within the story, we have to look at the context of the whole story of everything that's going on here, right? The text starts off with Jesus. He's, he's come across the Sea of Galilee. Now, last week's sermon was talking about the, the fact when he crossed it, there was a big storm. Well, this week now, he's already crossed it. We've had an incident on the other side of the lake, the Gentile side of the lake, right? The beginning of Mark chapter 5. Now he's crossing back over to the, to, the, to the side, the Israel side of the lake, right? And it says as he gets out of the boat, I mean like immediately when he gets out of the boat, it's almost like fanfare. Everybody knows Jesus is in town, right? This guy's been doing crazy things. He's been preaching, proclaiming, healing people. And so suddenly there's this great big crowd of people all around him. And from this great big crowd, this this guy pops out. And this guy's not just your ordinary guy. It says he's a ruler of the synagogue. His name's Jairus. And he comes up to Jesus and he falls before him in humble submission and says, Jesus, my daughter is sick. She's dying. I need you to heal her. Now, this guy has power and prestige. He's a ruler of the synagogue. I mean, he's a, he's a person in the community, right? He's a higher up. So, so coming before and humbling himself before Jesus is saying a lot. It's saying that he considers Jesus to be greater than even himself. There's another issue with this as well. He's a ruler in the synagogue. If we read the New Testament, it's the Pharisees and the Sadducees, rulers in the synagogue, who were the ones who didn't necessarily like Jesus, right? So this guy's of those folks. And it's not like he's coming to him in private like Nicodemus did. No, he comes to him in public and lays down before him, right? He's basically putting his power and his prestige and position on the line because he's stepping outside of party lines, but he's doing it out of desperation for his daughter. For those of us who have children, I don't know about you, but I would do just about anything for my kids so they wouldn't be in pain and be made well. This insider makes himself an outsider. But that's not the outsider that I want to look at this morning. That's not the one that the story within the story. But, but Jesus, it says, does go with Jairus. And as he does, he begins to walk through this massive crowd. Now, 
I don't know if you've ever been to like a, a big wedding where all of a sudden everybody's on the dance floor and you, you want to go from one side of the dance floor to the other side of the dance floor, right? Or, or maybe you've been in a concert and there's this big giant mosh pit and you want to go from one side of the mosh pit to the other. Or maybe you've been at a sporting event, right? And you're trying to get out and everybody's like packed in like sardines. You've been there? It's not like all of a sudden, like you start walking and the crowd just like parts in front of you. No, people are like pushing up against you, smacking you, hitting you. You're trying to like follow around. So, so everybody's kind of going through and Jesus is probably being shoved and pushed and touched and yelled at, Jesus, 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 over here, over here. Right? I mean, it's, it's I don't know. I read this and I get anxious because I get claustrophobic. Like, I just want to fight my way out of the crowd. I don't know how Jesus is feeling right now, right? And and so as he goes, it says that people are pressing him from every side, but this lady is in the crowd, and this lady has suffered for 12 years from a condition, a constant bleeding condition. And she had heard that Jesus was coming. But what you have to have to realize is this woman who's in this crowd, who suffered from this condition, as a result of her condition, is an extreme outsider. Without going much into her condition, I'll give you a PG version of this. Her condition warrants her the label of unclean. And if you want to know more about why she's unclean, look at Leviticus chapter 15, verses 25 through 27. But as a result of being unclean, she's supposed to be announcing, I'm unclean. You don't want to be near me right now. We just, or it's still coming out of a pandemic. I mean, I know it may not feel like it anymore, but we're actually still coming out of a pandemic. And if you've been to the doctor's office anytime in the last couple months, right, you walk in there and there's a lady standing there and she's taking your tip and she's reading through all of these things, right? Do you have this? Do you have this? Have you had this? Have you been this, right? Have you been around anybody that has this, right? Now, if you were to answer that question as yes, what would happen? <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> you need to go home. You, my friend, are unclean. Irregardless if you have, or regardless if you have the condition or not, you are unclean. It's kind of like being exposed to someone who has COVID, right? Some of us were exposed to somebody who, we never got COVID ourselves, we were exposed to someone did. Who, some of us got COVID, but some of us got exposed to people who had COVID. And you were considered just as unclean as the person who had it. In fact, before you could join join normal society, you had to like sit out for 10 to 14 days. You had to have a clear test. You you had to show yourself to be clean before your employer might even let you back in. You were stuck at home. You were sequestered because you had been exposed to someone who was unclean. Well, If you're unclean in the first century, it means that you can't worship in the synagogue. You can't go to places where other people would go. It's kind of like either having COVID or being exposed to COVID, right? In fact, in order to become clean again, whatever it was had to stop. You had to prove that it stopped. You had to bathe yourself, and then you couldn't even go anywhere until that evening when the day had ended. Then it's only the next day you would be considered clean again. And that's whether you had the condition or touched someone who had the condition. Now, let me ask, did anyone here have to do a 10 to 14 day stent because they were exposed to COVID? 
right? Some of us have, right? Some of us have. Or maybe you had COVID. I'm not, you know, not trying to put anybody on blast, right? I'm just, but you know, or maybe you were afraid to get around COVID because you didn't want to do the 10 to 14 day stint, right? This woman had been unclean for 12 years. Stop and think about that for a second. How inconvenient was it to like have to be in isolation for 10 to 14 days? Imagine walking through life in isolation. Imagine having one big, huge monitoring bracelet around your ankle. When everybody saw it, they knew exactly what that meant, right? You'd done something that now you get put outside society and you're very restricted on where you could go and who you can hang around with. How would you feel for 12 years? Texas said she tried everything to be healed. And she was broke. She was broken and she was broke as a result. It says she went to a lot of doctors and none of them can help her. And what you need to know about, about the doctors of that day is that they didn't have like the miracle of modern medicine, right? They couldn't give some penicillin, take an x-ray, do an MRI, figure out. I mean, it was kind of like, we would consider it kind of more like magic tricks than medicine. They would have had you, they would have been like, hey, here's the deal. Drink this or eat that or do this and, and you might be cured. Now give me your money. And these cures apparently caused her great suffering and, and made what she was going through even worse. So she's desperate. Can you blame her? So she takes a huge risk just to touch Jesus' outer garment. She wasn't even wanting to come up to him and talk to him. She's just wanting to sneak up on him right behind and just touch because she's tried everything and she hears that this Jesus is a healer. Maybe he could save her. So she braves the mosh pit, the crowded dance floor, or the sports arena, or any illustration that you need to know there's a lot of people. She reaches out and she touches Jesus. She was hoping, she was believing that that would heal her and allow her to be restored. Well, what happens? She touches him and what? She's healed. She knows it immediately. She feels it in her body. I've been healed. Like this weight's been lifted off my shoulder. I've been healed, but suddenly Jesus goes, what the heck, who touched me? Now the disciples are sitting there like, bro, do you not see all the people around us right now? What do you mean, who touched me? But Jesus is like, no, somebody touched me. Disciples are like, man, I don't know what was in the water Jesus just drank. But it says the woman starts trembling with fear. I mean, what do you think she's afraid of? Maybe the fact that you know, once she gets called out, everybody's going to know. Now, it's not in scripture, so I'm doing something called eisegesis. I'm putting this in there. But I can only imagine she's probably wearing like a cloak and a hood, like trying to sneak through, right? Because she doesn't want people to, she's not putting it on blast, like, I'm the unclean one walking through here. Look at me. You know, touch Jesus. She's probably like really afraid of what people are going to do or say. Because remember, if she touches you, you're unclean like she is. And yet she's healed. 
She, she comes up to Jesus, and she doesn't know what Jesus is going to say or do. He could have call, totally called her out. He could have totally put her on blast in front of this entire crowd. I mean, she literally had just exposed everyone. If I was to tell you right here and now, you've all now been exposed to COVID-19 today, right now, by being attending this worship service, how would that make you feel? Right? Now, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but how would it make you feel? I mean, she couldn't deny the fact that Jesus healed her. So she bowed down in front of him. She's probably begging for mercy, but she tells him the whole truth. And Jesus, rather than reading her the riot act and saying like, how could you? Right? He looks at her and he uses a very familial term. He says, daughter. He calls her his own. He tells everyone there, including her, that by faith, she's been made whole again. You see, this encounter with Jesus changed her life forever. She had been saved from her affliction. She had been restored to the community. She had been made whole and healed. And she's been given hope for tomorrow. Jesus changed her life. And then it says at this point he turns and he continues on his journey with Jairus. By faith she was made well. Now, I want to pause right here real quick. I want to go on a little tangent. Just forgive me. Just bear with me here in a second. See, based on Jesus' answer, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace, it can be very easy to misread the text and say that Jesus is insinuating that because this woman had enough faith, she was healed from her affliction. And, and, and you could actually even take it further and go down a path that's way off base and say that, well, if you're not healed from a physical infirmity, then you don't have enough faith. Or, or worse, maybe you're not a true believer. Now, I'm sure that no one in here believes that or has ever even thought that, right? But, but I know that there are places that do teach this. And so I wanted to stop for a second and go on a little tangent to, to say that that's a lie. It's a lie. See, Mark's making a point through this story, and he's making the point that this, that through the power of the Spirit, Jesus is indeed Lord and God, that he's king of the universe, and his kingdom power is shown in his words and his actions. And we see that when Jesus heals her from her infirmities and restores her back to community, because that's what Jesus does. She wasn't probably the only sick person there who believed that Jesus could heal and may or may not have come away healed. You see, the reality is, is that her encounter with Jesus changed her life. Why? Because of who Jesus is, not because of what she did or said or believed. Jesus has overcome. Jesus, in the midst of de desperation, came and lived and died and rose again so that you and I and this woman might be completely restored and healed, so that we might have hope in the desperate times, so that we can be confident that in the midst of sickness or death or anything else that comes along with it, we have nothing to fear. If God chooses to heal us on this side of heaven from our infirmities, then praise God. If God chooses not to and takes us home to heaven because through faith in Jesus he's given us an eternal hope, praise God. You see, if God is for us, 
who can be against us? And there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Back to the woman. I get frustrated sometimes when I read the Bible, and maybe you do too, I don't know, right? But, it, but here's what I get frustrated. What happened to the woman, right? <laughs> he heals her, transforms her life. Jesus turns and walks away. What happened to the woman? What's the rest of the story? How does her life change as a result of her, her healing and restoration? And the honest truth is we don't know, and I would love to make some assumptions, but, but I'm not going to do that here this morning. But let me ask you a question. How has your experience with Jesus changed your life? You see, as a result of our sin, our selfishness, our mistakes, our, our whoopsies, we're unclean. We're unclean. In fact, you might think, oh, well, I'm not all that bad. But really, think of the most unclean person you can think of. Like literally, when I say that person's horrible, awful, I don't want to be around them, they're the worst person in society, history, whatever. You got that person in mind? When God sees you in your sinfulness, he, you're just like that person. Literally, same part. But yet, Christ comes to us, and he touches us. In our baptism, he, he puts his name on us. He looks at us, and he says, son, he says, daughter, I've given you faith that I've made you well. You've been restored. You've been healed. You've been forgiven. The burden that you're carrying around has been taken from you. Christ took it upon himself on the cross. He's changed our life. So let me ask, how has your life changed? Or has it? How has it changed in your interactions with folks in society that you might consider unclean? I mean, to be honest, I, I pray that because you know what it feels like to be unclean and yet to be made clean, right? You, you know what it feels like to walk around with that shame and that guilt, but then have it taken away in Jesus. You, you know what it is to hear those words, you're forgiven, and know that it's really true. You know what it is to, to taste and touch and experience God's true, Christ's true body and blood in with and under the bread and wine like we will this morning, that you've been made clean because you know what that looks like. Because you know that through faith in Jesus, like when God sees you, he doesn't see you and your sin, but he sees Jesus, that Christ has given you his righteousness. You know what it is to be set free. But how many in our society walk around with this stigma, this, this burden of being unclean? And how often are we guilty of feeding into that? My prayer for each of us, including me, is that when we see someone whose society would say is unclean, rather than, than run away, rather than stay away, that we would ask God to, to give us opportunity to help us to, to come near and to share the hope that we have 
of the one who's made us clean. To share of the the forgiveness and the new life and the restoration that, that God has given us through Christ Jesus. That we would not only realize that we have been made clean by his amazing grace, that that in the midst of our wretchedness, he comes to us and makes us clean, but he wants to do the same for everyone and anyone we come in contact with. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. A video archive of our online worship services, including today's message, can be found on our YouTube channel and at www.bethanylutheran.org. Links for both of these are in the show notes. If you would like to support this podcast or the ministry of Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California, you can text the word GIVE to 562-210-0463. That's GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 562-210-0463. Join us next week as we begin a new sermon series walking through Paul's letter to the Ephesians.